You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. And in this episode, our topic is a heavy one, grieving. Grieving the loss of your pet through trauma or illness, through natural causes, old age, through euthanasia, through loss in the event of theft or a pet's wandering away, or when a pet has to be given away or sold. We'll be discussing today how, after loss, we may move through the grieving process to a place of healing. Our guest is Rebecca Cagle, life coach, counselor, and author of Grieving the Loss of Your Pet and Grieving the Loss of Your Horse. She'll join us immediately after these messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets, struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com. Then come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today. Available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. And in this episode, we are considering how, after the loss of a pet, we may travel through the grieving process to a place of healing. Joining us now from her office in Knoxville, Tennessee, is life coach, counselor, and author, Rebecca Cagle. Welcome, Rebecca, and thank you for being with us. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me on your show. Okay. Well, Rebecca, I wonder if we might begin our time together by hearing a bit about your background and your work as a life coach. And would you please tell us, as you move through that recounting, what in your experience prompted you to write the two books on grieving? Okay. Well, I'm a graduate of Liberty University in psychology And I have further training as a life coach through the American Association of Christian Counselors. I switched to life coaching from counseling in 2007 because I felt like life coaching was a better fit because you work on goals and it's a forward-thinking thing. It's not focused on the past. It's focused on the present and moving forward and working through life's problems as they come along. And when I switched to life coaching, I met Lori Leveman online and she has a website called Fire Safety in Barns, and she asked me to write an article on grieving the loss of your horse that she was going to post on her website. And as time went on, I found that there was a need for 
book to be written, and I included a lot of stories on on people I knew and about their losses of horses. And so I had that book published on Kindle, and then I published Grieving the Loss of Your Pet, How to Survive Your Journey, because I felt there was a more general need, not just for horse people, but for all people who have animals. And I included a lot of stories of different types of pets, including dogs, cats. Um, There's one story of a rat who had a tumor who was owned by a a teenager and and the rat had to be euthanized. I'd like to focus especially on your book about grieving the loss of a pet. Okay. You you open that volume with a chapter on the phases of grieving. Are there universals, steps or stages through which all or most human beings move when they experience loss? And if there are such universals, if, if such universals have been observed, what are they? Yes, a lot of experts have seen have looked at this and there are several stages and you can go through all of them one at a time, you can skip some of them. You don't have to go through them in the same order. It's highly individualized depending on each individual person's experience and what else they're going through in life. And the first stage is shock and disbelief that this is even happening. And the second stage is blaming either yourself or others or circumstances. And third stage is wishful thinking that maybe the pet is not really dead but will somehow reappear alive. And then the fourth stage is feelings of sadness in varying degrees, depending on your closeness to the animal, other circumstances that are going on in your life. And finally, the last stage is knowing that the death is cannot be reversed. It's final. It's a done thing. And then I have also talked in my pet book about pre-grieving, which most people don't talk about. That's the anticipation of death that you know is going to happen because we usually outlive our pets. And this can be different for different people because you know, for example, that an average certain type of dog will live approximately 7 to 12 years so that you, you're anticipating that dog's death before the dog dies and you're, you're sad because you know it's going to happen. Or you could have a dog that has cancer and you know that eventually that, that cancer is going to overtake the dog. So you're going to go through that pre-grieving process as well. And it's different for different people, different stages of life you're going through. If you've experienced other deaths recently, this could be your a person's first death that they're experiencing, if it's a child or a young adult. And it's just different for each person, and it's okay to grieve. That's the biggest thing to stress to people, that it's okay. Your feelings are okay because it's it's you, it's your experience, and nobody should give you a hard time because of, the, of your feelings that you're going through. Or tell you how to grieve, or that you're grieving too long, you know, because yeah. each person will grieve in his or her own way. Yeah. Well, I see that you have separate chapters on grieving a loss through trauma or illness, old age, euthanasia, the selling of a pet, the theft of a pet. Did you separate these out because you believe there are differences in the ways individuals grieve because of the circumstances? And and what added elements come into play when a pet has been brought to a shelter, knowing that the facility is a kill shelter? Yes, that can be extremely stressful. I try to get people not to do that if they possibly can, because that is just a horrible situation. I was in that situation once. And I was very, very ill myself. I was, I had cancer. And I had gotten a new dog from a kill shelter because I, I needed a companion. And she kept escaping from my yard, and I was too ill to take care of her. So I had to take her back. And 
what I did for myself at that point and for the dogs, I said, this dog needs a teenage child. A teenage boy would probably be really good for her because she was a very active dog. Other than that, I've tried to recommend not taking a dog to a kill shelter if possible. That's just traumatic for the pet and traumatic for the owner. Can you address the differences or if you see a difference between, you know, and maybe we might just take these individually, the loss of a, of a pet through trauma or illness? Maybe we could start there. Trauma, a lot of times with trauma, the pet is dead instantly. And that can just be a real shocker because it's not something you were expecting. It just, just hits you out of nowhere. That is really hard to take. And then illness, that you can go through the pre-grieving stage because you you know the pet's going to die. And then there are also times when you think the pet's going to get better and it doesn't happen. And then, then you go through that same shock that you would go through if it was just a traumatic death. What about old age and old euthanasia? Age. Euthanasia is a really tough one. And I had a dog that I had to euthanize a couple of years ago, and he was almost 16 years old. He was a black lab who lived to be almost 16. And I anticipated having to do that because he was ill. His kidneys were failing, but he was doing okay, and he was happy. And so I took care of him and, and had vet care for him. He was on medication and special dog food. And then all of a sudden, one day, he took a turn for the worse. And his eyes were yellow. He was clearly in pain. His gums were yellow. And I knew at that point that he was not going to live for more than a couple of days. And he was in agony. So I took him to the vet and they said, yeah, that it was time that they agreed that it was not a good thing to keep him alive. So I had him euthanized. And I sat with him and I held him during this process. But it was a point where I knew that I knew that I knew that I had to do this for him. And I had been concerned before that because I thought, how am I going to know when it's time? But I knew at that point instantly, this has got to be done today. So I took him at that point. It's just really hard. There are probably some gray areas for people where they're not sure where, whether it should be done at that moment or not. But I think generally you're going to know this is it. This has got to be done because this poor animal is just suffering terribly. As I had uh, said initially here, you have separate chapters on all of these various uh, topics, and yes. one is on the theft of a pet as well. Did you separate this out again because of the difference in the way in which people grieve in that circumstance? Okay, the theft of a pet or if a pet runs away, you don't know what happened to him, and you don't have closure because you don't know. You don't know if that pet was stolen. You don't know if he just decided to take off and go somewhere else and got lost, and you don't have the closure. You don't know what happened, and in that chapter, I talk about making sure that your pet is chipped for identification purposes because shelters and veterinarians will have scanners that can read those to get your animal back to you more quickly and it's just I think it's harder to go through that because you never know you just don't know what happened you don't know if if somebody got a hold of them and they're they're in a having a bad life situation you don't know if they're if they've been killed run over by a car and it just never got found I mean, that can be pretty traumatic and not, not knowing is worse. And when you go through a normal death where you're there and you know that this pet has died of, of whatever causes, then you have that closure. It's easier to move on from that than not knowing what happened to him. 
Does the book deal with issues of guilt, especially when a pet has been lost because of a family member's error or when an animal has to be given away because of an allergy or a, or a mismatch with a family? Oh, yes, because that can really tear at your heart. There was one story where I recommended to somebody to euthanize a pony, and this was a long time ago before I was even doing counseling, and she flat out asked me, should I euthanize this pony? And I said, I think you probably should. The pony was, was very ill. She was colicking, and she was in a lot of pain. Now, they could have done, treated her medically and possibly saved her, and she could have eventually been okay, but she was in so much pain at that point, and they didn't know exactly what they were going to get into if they got into a surgical situation. And I recommended to her that she euthanize the pony, and she did. And then she regretted it. And I felt bad and still feel bad to this day that I recommended it to her. Now, she never blamed me because I made that recommendation. I don't know how many people she talked to before she did it, but I felt like I had I had done something wrong that I never should have recommended euthanasia. I should have told her, you know, that it's up to you. You've got to make this decision because this affects you and your life. Does the book deal with questions such as did we love enough? Did we do enough? Oh, yes, because you never know. That's always a question of could we have tried one more medical procedure? Could we have tried another drug that could have helped the animal get through this and come back to normal and, and go on with life? Have you worked with people who did have to give away a, an animal uh, because of an allergy or because of a mismatch with a family? Oh, yes. I've known people that have done that, and that's a really hard circumstance, but at least you know the pet is going to a new home, and you can pick out the home yourself, and you know that that pet is going gonna, is gonna to go on and have an okay life. And it's possible to also make arrangements with the new family to visit the pet and you know, maybe leave out the person that's allergic, or maybe that person can go and just spend five minutes with the pet and they're okay. It just depends on the circumstances. All of these circumstances are individual. Each person going through it and how they go through it is just, just a very individual process. Earlier this week, we had to take our own Mac and Molly to the veterinarian for their annual checkup and vaccination updates. And while we were there, the vet tech told us that her Old English Sheepdog, and our Mac and Molly are Old English Sheepdogs, that her beloved pet had died very recently because a family member who had come to visit had let the dog out, had not been careful about closing a gate, and and the dog had escaped and had been hit by a a car and died. So it it was a very traumatic thing for her, and she is still grieving. And I can even hear in her there's some anger and resentment that she is feeling toward the family member who was responsible for not being careful and and really ultimately for the dog's death. I wonder if you might address that part of the grieving process when a pet has been lost because of a family member's error. Yes, that can be very traumatic because you want to take back that moment when the mistake occurred and I can understand why she would be really angry and she's going to have to work through that anger because she's going to have to be able to forgive the other family member otherwise that's going to just drive her crazy for the rest of her life but that can happen and and you have to also take care of the 
family member who made the mistake because they didn't mean to do it. It's just one of those things in life. And we live in a fallen world, and those things are going to happen. And it's really sad, and it's very upsetting. Just because of one tiny mistake, your animal is gone. That can be just really traumatic. How do you counsel, though, through these particular events? What is the advice, I guess, that you would offer to the individual whose pet was lost and perhaps to the individual who made the error? Well, to the individual who made the error, I'd say you have to forgive yourself and just try your best to console the other family members who are are grieving over this the loss of this pet. And if you've lost a dog, I'd say, you know, you may not have closure. You may not know what happened. But what you've got to do in the future is your next dog has got to be chipped. You've got to keep a license on it. Make sure that your dog is identified. And if you're still trying to find your dog, just do everything you possibly can. Notify all the shelters in your area and put up posters. Um, There's online places where you can report that your dog is lost. I was at church several months ago, and there was a dog loose in the parking lot, and this dog was panicking and obviously had been somebody's pet. He looked like he was in pretty good condition, but he was, like, lost, didn't know what to do. And so I took him home, and I notified the shelter in, in the county where the church is that I had found this dog, and he didn't have any identification on him at all, didn't have any license tag. He had a collar on, but there was no identification. I took him to my vet, and they scanned for a chip. He didn't have a chip in him. And this particular dog belonged to a 10-year-old girl, and the father had notified the shelter that the dog was missing. So I was able to make a connection with him, and he came over and picked up the dog, and the daughter had been away with relatives, and he had not told her the dog was missing, and he, she was coming back the next day. And he was going to have to tell her that next day that the dog was gone. So fortunately, we made connections the night before, and I told him, I said, please put a license on your dog. Please get him chipped, because I took him to the vet, and there wasn't a chip. I could have gotten him back to you faster if there had been a chip. So that's my main advice to people is please get your dog chipped, get tags on them. My dogs have a tag with their name and my cell phone number on them, and they're also chipped. So if anything, if they, and they, I have a Houdini dog who escapes the yard constantly, and the other dog follows him. So I have to have their identification there, and I've had people call me and say, I've got your dogs. So that has been a blessing that I've been able to get get them back because I panic every time because I live in an area where there are busy streets and they're not streetwise. They'll just walk out in the street and I'm terrified that they're going to get hit by a car. We had two pit bulls show up on the doorstep recently and because they were chipped, we were able to find their pet parents and were able to return them uh, okay. to them very, very quickly. So that's uh, these important notes for, for people to take there. We had talked a bit earlier on about euthanizing a pet and I guess one of the questions I would have is would you recommend that parents involve their younger children in decision making when it comes to euthanizing a pet or or when a pet must be sold or or given away I notice also that you have a separate chapter on teenagers how should parents involve teenagers in these decisions well with younger children I think it's a really gray area because it depends on whether they've already been through a death experience of another dog or another cat. 
if they've been through the experience of losing a grandmother or grandfather. Usually I recommend don't tell them until after it's done because they're going to be upset and it's not, I think having them upset before euthanasia is just not that good. But you know your own children and you know them better than anybody else and you probably know what they can take. But I always tell people to tell the truth. Don't tell them, oh, we sent the dog off to a farm out in the country because that doesn't give the child closure. And later on, they're going to find out you lied. And how are they going to trust you if you lied to them? And I think trust is a big issue between parents and children. And a child has to be able to trust their parent. Well, if the parent lies to them, they can't trust them anymore. And as far as giving them away or selling them, I think, yes, you should include the children because they can help pick out the new home. They can give them closure. Okay, my cat's going to a new home. He's going to go live across town, and he's going to be happy. And we can go visit him once in a while. And I had a dog. I have a dog now who was given to me because the family lost, the parents lost their jobs, and they had to move in with a grandmother. So they gave the dog to me, Abby. And the kids were little, and they knew, and they came to visit Abby one time after after she came over to live at my house. And they were happy. Um, I gave them presents when they came over to visit. They were happy with the presents. And I never saw them after that, but they were welcome to come and visit Abby anytime they wanted to. And I think that was a good situation. Now, with a teenager, teenager have, may have a lot more invested in, in an animal than a small child. A teenager may be showing a dog or a horse. They probably spend more hours with the animal than a younger child would. And I think they need to be included in the decision. It's going to be really tough on them, but it's a part of growing up and I don't think that they should be left in the dark until afterwards. I think they need to be included in the process and have their input, even if the decision goes against what they say and what they want, and it has to be that way because of the circumstances with the animal. I think they should be included as tough as it is. What do you advise folks tell children when a pet has died? And do you believe pets go to heaven? If you do, why do you? Yes, I think that you can tell the children the truth about what happened when the pet died. And I do believe pets go to heaven. There's a lot of biblical evidence that that happens. After the flood with Noah's Ark, God made a covenant, and and I refer to it as the rainbow covenant because he set the rainbow in the clouds when he made this covenant. And the covenant was with all creatures. and, And my question would be, why would he make the covenant with all creatures if he didn't intend to take them to heaven? And in the book of Revelation, it talks a lot about horses being in heaven, in particular white horses. And birds, in in chapter 19 in Revelation, talks about the many birds of heaven. And when we talk about the white horses, there's there's interesting facts about those. There are no truly white horses that survive beyond birth. They're usually stillborn or they die right after birth because they're missing part of their small intestines. Horses that you would think of as being white that you see are not actually white. They're gray. They've been some other color and turned gray. But if they are truly in a true albino white horse, they will not live. So they go straight to heaven. And it talks about, in Revelation, it talks about people in heaven and angels in heaven riding white horses. 
so I think that's an interesting fact that comes out of the Bible and comes from, from studying horses. Interesting. Well, let's take a break. When we return, Rebecca will be sharing some of the stories of folks whom she has helped through the grieving process. She'll also offer some advice on how we can help friends move through the grieving process to a place of healing. Please stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. My name is Brent Atwater, and I'm the Animal Reincarnation Authority. Join me every week on Alive Again, and let me look at your pet's energy to determine if they're going to reincarnate. I'll be able to tell you when they're going to come back and what they look like. So send me your pet's photo and email me your question at brent at petliferadio.com. I'm looking forward to answering your questions on Alive Again. Every week only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back with life coach and author Rebecca Cagle and continuing our conversation about grieving the loss of a pet. Rebecca, would you please share with us some of the stories of folks you've met who have lost pets and have journeyed through the grieving process to a place of healing? And would you tell us how you help these folks to heal? And maybe one other piece of that, and maybe these are too many questions, but what does healing look like? Okay, I've helped numerous people through the grieving process. It's different for each set of circumstances. 
I helped um, a girl who had a dog who, for some reason, decided to just bite everybody. And I don't know. I suspect that there was something physically wrong with the dog. It had been injured, and when it got touched in that specific area, that it would just start growling and bite. And it must have been in a tremendous amount of pain. And she eventually had to have the dog euthanized because of this problem because she was concerned that her children would be bitten, um, that other family members would be bitten, and she had been bitten to the point where she just couldn't take it anymore. And so I worked with her a little bit on that, and it was really hard for her to take that dog in to be euthanized. She took her father with her, and they went through that experience together. And then afterwards, she went through a healing process, and Within a couple of years, she was able to go purchase another dog and go on, and she's had several dogs since then. So she's doing fine. It's a horrible experience to go through, but eventually you do get through it. And I think the best thing that we can tell people who are going through that is it's going to take time, and it's an individual process. Each person goes through it a different way, and it's going to take time. And we need to give the person the time and the space. And I get irritated with people who make fun of somebody who's lost a pet. And they don't get it. They don't understand why why it would be such a big deal to lose a pet. But I think it can be as hard to lose a pet as a close family member because you've spent so much time. There's a bond between the two of you just like there's a bond between you and a family member. And it can take just as much time to go through grieving the loss of a pet. And there are times when it's harder to get through the loss of a pet than it is to get through the loss of your grandmother because you know your grandmother's going to die. That's just the process of life. But you've been spending more time with the pet lately and it can be harder to get through the loss of the pet than the loss of your grandmother. It's just the way things are. What does healing look like? When do you know you have an additional question, I guess, that would come alongside of that is, is after the loss of a pet, when is it time to bring another companion animal into your life? When do you know that you've healed sufficiently for another pet? I think the healing process can be, it varies between individuals. And I think that you'll know when it's time to get a new pet. There are some people who never want to ever have another pet again because it's just too traumatic to go through that situation. But most people in time will get another dog. I I worked with a family who they lost a dog similar to how the sheepdog was lost. They had a Weimaraner and he was let out by accident, got hit by a car. And it took them probably two or three years before they got another dog. But now they have another dog who was a shelter dog, and they're very happy with him. And it just takes time. And I think each individual will know when to buy another dog. In my personal case, when I lost my older dog, Clyde, I knew he was going to die. I mean, he was almost 16 years old. And I got Abby before he died because at the time I was living alone and I was going through cancer treatment and I I really needed somebody to be there, an animal to be there if I couldn't have a person with me. So I got Abby before he died, about nine months before he died. And so I'd already bonded with her. Then when Clyde died, Abby had bonded with Clyde and she was terribly upset when he died. And she chewed through my wooden fence. She was so upset. I immediately went out and got another dog, Jonah, for her, who was a month old. I didn't know it at the time when I got him, and I took him straight to the vet, and they said he was only a month old. So she had to have another dog. She was fine after I got Jonah. 
And then I think it just is an individual thing. It's okay to get a dog right away. It's okay to get a dog ahead of time like I did with Clyde and Abby. And it's okay to wait. It just depends on the individual. It's what what is okay with you. And my friends waited a couple of years before they got another dog. And they're doing fine now. It took a while, a longer time for them to heal than normal, but that's just the way life is. It's an individual thing. This would be a conversation for another time, but we really haven't addressed the grieving that an animal goes through, that a pet goes through when to whom they've been especially devoted is is lost or or dies. I really uh, fear the day when one or the other of our old English has something terrible happen and I think the other is just so glued, they're both so glued to each other that I just really don't look forward to that day. Yeah. But I wonder if there is particular advice that you would offer to listeners who who want to help friends or family members move through the grieving process to a place of healing? Well, the first thing you do is is you have to be patient with them. Give them time. Give them the space they need. If they want to talk, let them talk. If they don't want to talk, don't try to force them to talk. Everybody handles it in their their individual way. You may have a child who didn't even really, wasn't really into pets. They don't really talk after the animal died, but they may be grieving too, and they're just not talking about it. It had more of an effect on them than you thought it would. And we just need to, to give each person their time, their space. If they want to talk, let them talk and until you can't stand it anymore. Everybody has their own needs as far as grieving. And it's some people will be ready to go out and get another animal, and some people are just going to take them a long time. If there's children involved, talk to the children. What are their feelings? They may be so upset that they want to wait. They may be ready to get another puppy right now. It just is an individual thing, and it's going to take time. And, and you can go through the grieving process several times, the different stages. You can go through them in order, out of order. It's just a highly individualized process, and we just have to take care of each other and, and, and watch out for each other and watch out for children. A child may be grieving and not saying much, but their grades go down in school, so you know something's up and get them to talk. They may Family members may need to talk to someone outside the family, a counselor, a pastor, a life coach, a favorite teacher at school, just somebody that they trust. It's important to talk to someone that they trust who is not going to give them a hard time for grieving. And I see that a lot. That or judge them for grieving. The judgment, yes. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why people can be so cold-hearted about it. But that's their choice. Here on, you produced a book on grieving the loss of a horse. Yes. Would you share some of the key elements from that book that might differ from or, or complement what you have in the book about grieving the loss of pets? A lot of, of it's very similar. The process is the same. One thing that people have to deal with in the horse business is horse theft is very common. And you don't know what has happened to your horse. And I've worked with people that have gone through that. And that is excruciatingly painful because you have the element of slaughterhouses. Now, there's only, I think there's two, maybe two slaughterhouses in the United States right now, only because they were banned for about seven years and they've just recently lifted that ban. But horses have always been going to Canada, even when there were no slaughterhouses here, they were going to Canada. And the horses are treated horribly who are going to slaughter 
the people who transport them go around looking for horses that they can either buy or give away horses and people don't know, a lot of times don't know that their their horse is going to the wrong place for the wrong reasons. And if these people cannot make their quotas by buying horses or getting giveaway horses, they will, some of them will steal horses to make their quotas. And that is a nightmare because there are no checks and balances in that industry. There's no checking for identification papers or anything on a horse when they're going to slaughter. They just show up and they're slaughtered. And that can be heart-wrenching if you don't know what has happened to your horse, if you find out that it was taken to slaughter. That is just heartbreaking to know. Our culture does not believe in eating horses. I mean, that these horses are going to Europe. And that is just very, very sad to see happen. One year, your child may be riding a horse that they're showing and they're having fun with while they outgrow that particular horse because they're ready to move on to a more advanced training level. And the horse gets sold and ends up being slaughtered. And you just don't know when that's going to happen. So there was a horse whose name was Ferdinand, who was a very famous racehorse here in the United States and was sold to a breeder in Japan. And that breeder bred that horse for a long time and then sent him to slaughter. <laughs> it's just, you know, craziness. And, you know, it's very sad that that affected a lot of people because that horse was very famous to see that that happen to a, a well-known horse. It was very difficult for people. But it drew attention to uh, an issue that needed to be addressed. Yes, it did. Are there other elements from the book, again, that might differ from what you had in the book on pets? Well, there was there is a story about a teacher who had a horse who was a stallion, and he shared that information with his school children and would bring in pictures and took the kids out to the barn and they saw the horse. And it you know, became something that his school children were interested in. And he bred the horse, showed the horse, and there were babies so the kids could see the babies. And all of a sudden, one night, the horse dropped dead in his stall, and he went out the next morning found the horse dead. Well, not only did he have to go through that, and the kids had to go through all that sadness, he had let the insurance lapse on the horse, and this horse was worth a lot of money. He had to deal with telling his spouse that he had let the insurance lapse, so there was that added element to it, and I'm sure his wife was not happy about that, and that added to his grief as he he lost a tremendous amount of money on this animal also. That can come into play because a lot of times you're dealing with a lot more expensive animals, and there's money loss when, when, when you lose the animal too, when it's a horse. But most of the stories are very, very similar. One of the things that I tell people when they're grieving is if they're having a difficult time after losing an animal is have a funeral for the animal. Include the kids. One of the things I tell them to do is write a card, a note to the animal and attach it to a helium balloon and let it go in a funeral process. If there's a small animal buried in the backyard, that gets kids closure and it can also give the adults closure. I remember visiting the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab and saw their Angel's Rest, which is a pet cemetery. And to see the, I don't know, tiny rock on which was the image of a, of a beloved pet or 
to see the I don't know the words that were written out on a on a grave marker or whatever. Again, I would agree with you. the The need for that that kind of closure, that kind of final farewell, is uh, is such a treasured thing to have. I wonder, you know, as we're closing out our time together, if you might have uh, something you want to especially mention. Would ask about your books, how they are available, or you mentioned in the midst of our conversation about paper and electronic versions where can listeners obtain copies of your of your books the printed copy you can order through any bookseller and it is available on Amazon and it's also available in Kindle form the pet book the Gr- grieving the loss of your pet how to survive your journey is available in print the other book grieving the loss of your pet or grieving the loss of your horse how to survive your journey at this point is only available on Kindle but I'm hoping this year to get it in print and it will also be available through any bookseller as well as being available on Amazon. Was well, there anything else you'd like to mention as we close out? I can't think of anything. I've got a website, empowermentlifecoach.com. If you want to contact me, my other website is equestrianlifecoach.net if anybody wants to contact me through there. Thank you, Rebecca, for being with us today, and, and thank you for your work in caring for individuals as they grieve. Well, thank you so much for helping me to get the word out that this is a survivable journey. Well, listeners, we we do thank you for tuning in. We hope that you have been helped by the information provided today. More information and photographs are found on Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly blog page. And if you have any questions or comments related to this episode, I would invite you to email me at that address, the address that you'll find there. And as always, I hope you'll be with us next time as we head out On the Road with Mac and Molly. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.